must be a better way. There must be a better way to describe things, to arrange words, and a new way to use words to take you to a place beyond words. There must be. What's everybody up to? This is Forest Hall. And this is Real Church Matters because we talk Real Church Matters because Real Church Matters. Where we talk Real Church Matters because Real Church Matters. Yeah. It's me again by myself and uh, saying hello to all of you and thank you for listening and housekeeping. RealChurchMatters.com. If you so choose to uh, visit via the website, I know, I think when I looked at the analytics, it was like 1%, 2% of people listen to it on their desktop. God bless you. If you're a desktop type person, realchurchmatters.com. If you're a mobile device person, you can use any of the apps that you use to listen to podcasts if podcast is your thing. I'm hoping if you're listening to this, at least this podcast is your thing. Spread the word about it. Tell people that they can go on Apple Podcasts, uh, a bunch of other ones, iHeartMedia. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you'll find me, Real Church Matters. Or if you want some help, because I know there's people out here who could use some help finding the podcast, tell them to just ask Alexa or Siri. Tell them to specifically say, hey, Siri, or hey, Alexa. Play the oh look at that there's there's Siri right there tell them to tell that person to find the latest episode of Real Church Matters podcast and they'll play the latest episode which will be this one if you're listening at August fourth twenty twenty one and if not you're listening from the future and hello that being said I think that's it um obedience over audience but with that being said if I still have an audience or since I have an audience let's get to it yeah let's get to it how you guys doing? Like, hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Um, I won't hold you long this week, but I do have some things to talk about. It's kind of like a hodgepodge of things. But I do want to talk about um, just some things. Uh, most notably, number one, I want to encourage you. To use the word. Uh, What I find it is hard for people to understand. Is what usefulness. Any of this has. To their life. And it's unfortunate that you may feel that way. Because you do not understand. What life is about. Or what God is and relates to your life. So I'm going to break down a few things that just been on my heart. One of those things is the reality that um, why we do the things we do. 
I read the word to get the word. Sounds simple, right? It's not why some people read the word. Some people read the word because they feel the act itself is the mission. I read the word today. I prayed today. I went to church today. All of those things are merely the utensil, a utensil that is used to get something. And what we are trying to get is God's word, his truth. Everything else is a means to that. It is not the end. It is the means. When you tell me you pray, I'm assuming that there's some intentionality in your prayer to get the word of God. I'm assuming when you read the word, there's some intentionality there for you to get the word of God. And I'm assuming when you go to church, you're going to church to get the word of God. And if that is not your mission, reevaluate. Reevaluate. Church is important. Church is important for uh, not as many of the reasons people think, but it's important for a very important reason. It is important because it is being around like-minded people who keep us centered and focused on God's word and teach us his word. That is the intention of church. There's people that read the Bible. They don't read the Bible with the intention of getting the word like they should. Let me tell you why. It's important to get the word. The word is the secret sauce. It is the powerful thing. It is the thing that changes our minds. I know that the word can change our minds. Why? Because I've seen other words change our minds. I've experienced that. I've heard the words of people. Heard them with my ears. Read them with my eyes. Received them. And I allowed it to change what I thought. I allowed it to change what I thought about that person. I allowed it to change what I thought about myself. I allowed it to change how I viewed things. I allowed it to open my heart up to a different emotions. I allowed that word to do things. And I remember that and I try to keep that in mind as I go forward with how I want to engage with God's word. And one of the things that I keep running in my mind is I want to engage with God's word the way I have engaged with the words of others. You know how I engage with God's word? I engage with his word in many ways that I have engaged with other people's words. You know, not everybody's words are regarded in the way that I described. And why is that? I can have a person who I could care none about. They could say all manner of evil against me. They can tear me down. They can tear my loved ones down. They can say truthful, hurtful things. They can say False, hurtful things. They could be manipulative. 
They could be dismissive. They can be angry and bitter and spiteful. And it washes off of me. Not a care in my world. Why? Because I didn't care. I didn't care about the person who was saying the words. Therefore, I didn't care about the words. And care is interesting because it doesn't mean I love the person whose words I regarded. It just means that I regarded them enough to regard their words. Sometimes you regard people in a very negative way. And so you receive their words in a very negative way. And they have a power and a hold and a response. It's unlocked in you. And when I think about these things, guys, I think. Not enough people, number one, are seeking the word of God. And then number two. They have no clue what to do with that word. But what you do with that word is the very thing you do with any word that you regard. You allow it in your heart and you allow it to do a work. Simple words. Words work. All words work. Top of the podcast. I have a clip from a movie I watched and she says how can you use words use words I want to use words in a way that are not like just words I want them to have meaning impact to move people she was a writer and somehow this book this bible moves people but it don't move everybody Those words change minds, but it don't change everybody's mind. Some people just entertain by it. Let me just do a digression here. There's a, even the, the thing of songwriting. I write songs. I'm very intentional these days to not write songs about God. I want to write songs about living with a mind. That regards God. I noticed that the difference between other genres of music and gospel music is we sing about God. We sing about our God. Other forms of music don't sing about their God. They sing about how they experience their God. So when you have a song where the songwriter saying, my mind's telling me no, but my body is telling me yes. He's speaking about his God, but through the eyes of his thoughts. I know who he serves, even though he never said it. I know it because of his thoughts. His thought processes, his words. And I'm a songwriter and I've wrote, written or wrote many a song. Singing about God. But I'm going to tell you. And those songs move people. But. The words that I talk to people. And they come back to me and say. 
what you said to me yesterday stuck with me. They're telling me that I'm saying things that are sticking to their mind. Those conversations that I'm having with people is not about God. They're of God. Does that make sense? When I talk to you about real church matters, I'm not talking to you about God. I'm talking about you as it relates to God and me as it relates to God in this journey of ours as it relates to God. What is it like to be a person of God? Our song should be about that. What is it like to be a Christian of God? What is it like to be angry and of God? What is it like to be hurt and of God? What is it like to be lost and of God? What is it like to seek God? Let me peek in. What is that struggle? What is that fight? What is that engagement? What is that back and forth? What is that up and down? What is it like to desire and still be mindful of what God desires? I got some music that I'm about to put out. And I want you to keep that in mind when you listen to it, because quite frankly, singing about God isn't as potent as singing of God. Singing about being a person of God. I've seen people literally sing songs about God. Move them to tears. Only for them to live a life. That doesn't resonate in those. The way that those songs do. I would rather them sing. From the place that they're at. I would rather them sing about the struggles of their being there giving people snapshots so they can understand what it's like to be a Christian and what that means. I would love to sing of a perfect God, but I would love more to hear songs of a person seeking perfection, striving to it. What does that look like? Give me a song like that. Well, I'm going to give you a few. And whether you like them or not, it's okay. For me, it's literally just an expression of what it means to be God, God's child to me. And I'm a photographer in many respects. I'm a videographer. And each one of those things are just images of moments, snapshots of moments that tell a story. And so my music is very much that. It's just a snapshot of where I am in whatever space of time that is, and you get to see what it was like for me to be a Christian in those times and what it was like to journey through the thoughts, the emotions, and the realities that that comes with. Because people need that. Honestly, people don't need, quote-unquote, realness. Honestly, what people need is for you To be you, but in God. And seeking that journey to be one with him is a 
journey that has different ups and downs, twists and turns. And people need to know that our lives should look a lot like Psalms. Our lives should look a lot like the Bible. But they don't, unfortunately. Why? Because we don't regard words. Not in song form, not in poem form, not in, not in prose, not in scripture. Not the truth of God like we should because we don't regard him. As people speak of God in such a high regard, but don't regard his word when he is literally his word. It's confusing. People reading the word, clearing out. Shout outs to somebody that told me this week. They said they read six chapters in one sitting. It's like, yeah, I read from Acts chapter 12 to all the way to this. And I'm like, what? in the world? Just just speed reading. Just clearing through chapters, just clearing through scriptures like crawfish. I mean, this is not a a reading competition. It's not speed reading. The word of God is to be regarded. It's not to be skimmed through. It literally is like digging for gold, but there's so much gold that you just need to take your time. Because what you're looking for, I don't know what people are looking for when they just are speeding through chapters. What you're looking for, what you should be looking for is a truth you'll find at every turn. Not every chapter, not every scripture, not every word, but every syllable. Like just every single word. It jumps off that page is chock full of so much eternity. But if you don't regard it, you treat it as precious, you just clear through. I got, I got a nephew and I just watch him eat. And it's, it's almost as if he didn't eat. He eats so fast. It just. It, it's like it, it just reminds me, number one, it reminds me of myself. But. um. It's like, how can you really appreciate or regard something when you just mow right through it? It's like, just take your time. Savor it. Grab a scripture this week, guys. Read it. Think on it. Meditate on it. What you're trying to do is learn how to regard those words like you pour over the words of others. I've seen people do it. You know what I'm talking about. You overhear something, you read something, someone sent you something, someone said something, and you just keep rehearsing it and rehearsing it. You rehearse what it meant to you, how it made you feel. You rehearse what you want to say back, what it makes you want to do. And then you can speak for hours on those things to other people. You won't believe what he said. You won't believe what he did. You won't believe what he texted. Look at this. And you sit for hours and you type back responses. 
where you sit for hours and you talk and argue with people to respond back to them. If you wrote down everything you ever said in response to someone else's words, other than God's, and then somebody asks you what one scripture means, one scripture. I ask you what it means to you and you can't formulate one sentence. There's no regard for word. So since there's no regard for word, the power of that word can never be unfolded. And therefore, the word is not allowed to work. And since the word is not allowed to work, we never see the results of God's word in his people. In the beginning was the word and the word was God. Then he goes on to tell us. That the word never returns back void. That faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's literally people whose literal faith has been ignited by the words of God. I'm one of those people. So much has been ignited in me by the words of people. But what has been ignited by the words of God is eternal. It's a fire that remains burning. Fire that just enlivens us and pushes us and ignites us. And yeah, I'm having a hard time. I got to be honest, I'm having a hard time understanding the value of the present church, not the eternal church, the way it was written out in the scriptures, the current iteration of church. I'm having a hard time understanding it because they don't put a premium on word. Number one, it's going to be hard to put a premium on word when people see the church as a place of their livelihood. And I'm going to tell you something. And you may disagree and many may disagree, but I feel like the church can never get right until you remove it being a form of livelihood for people just from the equation. Honestly. Let church folk get jobs again. Everybody. Go back to work. It's a conflict of interest. You can't serve God and man, mammon. You can't. It's hard to look at the church as a means of your income when you're supposed to be the reason for a certain outcome in those people. When you need them more than they need you, it's all messed up. And you see it. I got to email this week from Crossway and it's like an open letter and it says to those who are afraid to come back to church and they're just begging and you can hear the desperation and there's so much intentionality just steeped in it like a tea bag it's hard not to hear what's really being said this is not lucrative anymore If you guys don't come back. It's 
it's going to be hard to put a premium on God's word when there is another value in its place in these four walls. The dollar reigns supreme over the word of God. Does. It does. I myself. am a minister. I have a passion for teaching the word of God. Just teaching it. Because that's all the Bible told me to do. I don't have a passion for manipulating it. Finding fun activities to do with it. I don't have a passion for repackaging it in different ways to cater to different sections of people based on gender, age, or income, or socioeconomic status. I have a passion for teaching the word because the word works. The word works irregardless of the person. The word works everywhere. I've saw the word work in a living room before I ever saw it work in a church. True story. I saw it work in my parents before I ever saw it work anywhere else. I saw my mother use that word in many respects like a pastor to her children. And never receive a dime of it. Because our only reason for giving it. For showing up. Every day with that word on her lips. Was to see an outcome in our lives. Never to get a dime from us. There's people who can't even. They don't see the genuine nature. If there is any. And there may be people who have intention. But there's people who can't see even your purest intention. Because there is an elephant in the room. You need money. I've stood up in church. And I've said come on. Give. Help us keep the lights on. Help us keep the air on. I found funny little ways to say it. Always to try to mitigate what was always lurking in the back of my mind, which is the church is supposed to be about word. But it's really not because there's an underlying, overbearing, overwhelming sense. Another reality that's here. That has kind of placed itself on top. When we talk about quenching the Holy Spirit, you want to know what quenches the Holy Spirit? You want to know what the the wet towel to the fire of the Holy Spirit is? It is an agenda to suss the church to meet your physical, secular needs. Go get a job. Let's start there. Let's get the need for people in that regard out the way. That way, whoever comes, comes with the intention to receive the word, doesn't have to feel like they're being manipulated or prodded or tricked into staying and giving 
and that being the modus operandi and the primary goal of us being here. Imagine going to a church where you never had to give anything. We never had to pay anything but attention. Imagine. I don't have to imagine. All my mother ever asked of me in our home was for me to pay attention, to regard. I never thought she had an ulterior motive outside of the one that was so overwhelmingly uncomfortable to someone who wished that she had an ulterior motive outside of just wanting to see her children soul saved and to see them live out their lives according to the scriptures because that way led to life and not death. Man, what more can you ask for from a mother? What more can we ask for from a pastor? What more can I ask for from a minister? What more can anyone ask for of me? I don't want anything from anybody. I am taken care of. I'm very particular about not even putting ads on this I was about to say this doggone podcast on this podcast because I don't want in any way to make it about money. The only thing that I felt overwhelmingly led to do is give people an opportunity to give to support. And I feel churches should do the same thing. Make an avenue. Give space to people to give as it is laid upon their heart. I make it known that you can give and you can. And those that do do and I appreciate it and I'm grateful. And I leave it at that. Whatever happened to following acts and letting the Holy Spirit lead on people's hearts to give as they so see fit to give. Yeah, but Paul asked what you want to ask for money. To do, to do missionary work Then ask for it You want to ask for money for bigger Places and, and I mean you want to ask for money To go into the ministry Ask for it You want to ask for money For your house note For your car insurance I don't like it And I don't believe in it And this is my podcast And I get to say what I like You got money issues, go make money. When you bring that mission over to this mission, you blur the mission. He gave us a great commission. He didn't tell us to work for commission. It's going to be hard to regard word. Especially when the word is bad for business. Always has been. Always will be. We sell all types of wares in church. Just like that synagogue that Jesus showed up at. We sell everything. 
I'm making music and, and I'm not giving away that music for free. I, I worked on it. It's a gift. I look at all those things as gifts. They're, those are the modern day cow and farm. You had a piece of land. You had some livestock. You were able to feed your family and support your family. Not everybody had those things, but those that did, they were gifted. They were graced by God. When you have a means to make money, it's a gifting and a grace of God. Why would I leave that to put the burden on the mission? You can't blur the gift and the mission. Go get a job. Go work. Because the work of the kingdom and the work of our hands aren't leading to the same pay. Real church matters. The work of the heart and the work of the hands aren't leading to the same pay. When you blur them together, it's nasty. It's nasty. So, yeah, like I said, I, I knew I wanted to talk about the word, but there was just so many digressions. I wanted to talk about the word. I wanted to talk about that in relation to using words to make songs and making songs that are profound as my conversations are. I want to talk about the word and the premium it should have on church and how it doesn't anymore. Because the premium isn't word as much as it is using the word at a premium. Real church matters. And who's responsible for this? Every single person who participates in it. And every single person that is bought into it. I don't want to be complicit anymore. I want to be intentional in what I know is right. I don't want to be bound by time or loyalties. What am I loyal to? Honestly, sitting in, I was watching a couple sit with another couple generations apart. One couple older, sharing their knowledge and being concerned about them as people. And me knowing as I'm looking at these two couples talk. I know that the the older couple doesn't want anything from them. But for them to pay attention. For them to regard God's word and assume that in their life and respond to it and pour over it and think about it as if it was the words of men. I got to start telling people now, like. I want you to hear God's word like you hear people's words. I want you to listen and pour over it and think about it and go over it a billion times over and think about how it makes you feel and think about how it makes you want to respond and let that build up in you so much that you just bloop, you just spills out of you. Let it be a fire that just shuts up in your bones. 
You think about people who have these fits of passion, these people who go and kill loved ones and kill themselves and kill others, strangers indiscriminately, all because they regarded words. You read manifestos that they've written, pages and pages of ranting and nonsensical babblings, things that made sense to them because they poured over it so much. And you wonder, like, why couldn't they pour over God's word this way? Have people, they reach out, they text, they want to check in, they want to talk to me, they want to, hey, how you doing? I haven't heard from you. It's like, don't be concerned about me. Every little fabric of concern you have for me, give it to God because he is poorly, sorely lacking from you in that area. Every bit of concern and focus and regard he gets is underwhelming. It isn't close to what he should. I love when the scripture says if I had 10,000 tongues, it wouldn't be enough because he knew like if I talked about you all the time. I still would need more time to talk about you to, to give it the proper justice it deserves. The hours we spend talking and talking about nothing is because we only speak on the things we regard. We only remark on the things we find remarkable. We only engage in the things we find interesting. And the word is farthest from our minds. The word is as far from your mind as that word you always want to use but can't find it when it's time to use it. And it's right at the tip of your tongue, right at the front of your head and you can't grasp it. And you try for a second and you're like, oh, forget it. That's God's word. Always there, but never there, especially when you need it. Unfortunately. It's painfully obvious. The word wants to work. But it can't work where it's not allowed to. There's a power there. It changes minds. I was sharing with a lady today and I said that uh, money only solves money problems. And she said, that's not true. Money can solve so many problems in this world. And it's like, no, because if you dump money in the hood, money doesn't change minds. And she's like, no, money changes minds. If these people had money, look at what it can do to them and do for them. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's so limited in your perspective. Because to be quite honest, I, if you're hungry, I can give you money. 
If you're naked, I can give you money. It solves those problems. If you don't have a home, I can give you money. If you don't have a car, I can give you money. If you don't have gas, I can give you money. But if you don't have a right mind, if you don't have clarity, if you don't reason within yourself, In a right way. There isn't a dollar amount in the world that can change your mind. Yes, money can make you do a lot of things. But one thing it cannot do is make you change your mind. And you like, well, you give me a million dollars, I'll change how I do everything. Yeah, until that money runs out. Think of how expensive it is to keep you in a mind. It isn't even your right mind. Which works for people. But don't work for God because he judges intention. And if you can be manipulated by money to do things. One thing you can't be manipulated with money to do is change the trueness and truthfulness of your heart. In order to have a right mind, you don't need money. You need the word. Money solves money problems. God solves God problems. And a right mind and the lack thereof is a God problem. A right marriage is a God problem. A right child is a God problem. A right focus, a right spirit, a love, patience, kindness, meekness, gentleness. These are God problems. Character issues. These are God problems. Integrity. These are God problems. You need God's word to solve them because you need a God to solve them. And he is his word. And if you don't regard his word like you regard money, then you're no different than a rich young ruler who was willing to do a lot of things except for give up money. Jesus ain't even want his money, but he wanted to show him who he really served. He let him know one simple question. Let's not dance a dance here. And you want to expose who the church really serve? Tell them give up their money. Give it up. Come on. You love God. Give it up. Man, it's an interesting one. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to keep podcasting. I'm going to keep sharing God's word. I'm going to keep explaining and talking out what that word really means and the ramifications it has to the human mind and heart. And you can keep listening, challenging yourself with the things that we talk about. And you can always ask me a question. Ask me at realchurchmatters.com. Challenge. 
talk about it. No, I'm not interested in debating. And you can list out tons of scriptures. Out of all those scriptures, they are just notes in a scale that have harmony. So you can play one note and it can sound good until you play two notes together or three notes together. And then I'm like, that's not in the right key. And there's a harmony to God's word. And so people parse and pick out scriptures and stuff. But those single notes are cute, but they don't strike a chord. Real church. (laughs) They don't strike a chord. Oh man, I'm out of here. God bless, man. Real church matters. What are we calling this? Um, what are we calling this? The word works. <laughs>